Hey, uh, good to see you guys. Happy Father's Day. Just want to reiterate what Jerry said. We appreciate you and we love you. We're thankful that you're here and decided to spend part of your Sunday with us. So uh, thanks for being here. You know, I'm a, I was a child of the 70s and the 80s and the mixtape was a big part of my growing up. And uh, the one place you could get all of your music together, right? It was uh, your favorite songs were there on one tape and then uh, you put them in your little Walkman and you can listen to them whenever you want. And it was especially, the mixtape was an especially big part of the courting process when you were in high school. When I was in high school, you met that special someone or someone that you thought might become that special someone, you make them a mixtape, right? You listen to your boombox to the radio and you wait just to hear those first few notes of that song that you wanted to put on the mixtape and then you hit the record button and it develops in you patience and determination and perseverance, qualities that are sorely lacking in the age of Snapchat and Instagram, right? And some of you have never had to wait for the DJ to stop talking to hit the record button, and it shows. Uh, now, depending on when you grew up, there were certain uh, icons of the mixtape. There were certain fixtures that would always be on the mixtape. I grew up in the era of rectangle pizza for school lunch and watching TGIF on Friday nights. And so on my mixtape, they would have been sprinkled with artists like Whitney Houston and Chicago and Peebo Bryson. You couldn't have a good mixtape without a little Peebo. You, you make this mixtape and you give it over to the love of your life or the person you want to become the love of your life. And then you listen to it together, marveling at how the songs just flow together seamlessly and how you left that perfect three seconds between every song. But then the inevitable always happened, right? Because most high school relationships end you're in that relationship, you're at a certainty, it's going to end, and if you go through a bad breakup, uh, you get the mixtape back. And then you make a mixtape for yourself, and it has songs like Love Hurts by Nazareth on it, and <laughs> I Used to Love Her by Guns N' Roses, right? I'm just being real. Uh, but then, because you had the mixtape back, you can reuse it, right, for the next relationship when you're in high school, because relationships are fast in high school. Uh, you can re and the new songs take on new meaning, right? No, no, you're the inspiration, right? You're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration now. And you can keep going back to those same songs over and over again at different times of your life, and they kind of mean different things. Well, the Psalms are kind of like that. The Psalms are songs. In fact, the Hebrew word for Psalms is the word telahim, the word telahim means praises. Think of it just like the songs we were singing up here a few minutes ago. They would have been songs that many of the Jewish people would have been familiar with. They would have known by heart. They would have sang them together in the assemblies, and they would have sang them individually while they were doing their laundry or um, uh, plowing their fields. And they were songs they would go back to over and over and over again, and they take on different meanings in different times of life. And the Psalms are still that way. They are trustworthy and true phrases, and we can return to them over and over again in different times of our lives, and they speak to us differently depending on different circumstances. So you can read a psalm a hundred different times, and maybe it never connects with you, and in that 101st time that you read it, because of the phase of life you're in, because of the things that are happening, the circumstances you're in, it's like the most meaningful thing you've ever read in your entire existence, and you think, why on earth have I never read this before? How have I missed this my entire adult life, right? And uh, because they're songs, the Psalms have a unique place in Scripture. They occupy a unique place in God's Word because they're songs. Uh, they're meant to be prayed and not sung, and they're special in the way they help form our faith. In fact, taken as a whole, the 150 Psalms in our current Bible tell the redemptive story of God and His people. 
So there are psalms for every situation, every emotion, every stage of life. The great theologian John Calvin said he wanted to call the psalms the anatomy of the soul because he said there's not an emotion of which one can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. Eugene Peterson, the author of The Message, paraphrase of the Bible, also compared the psalms to a mirror. He said, people look into mirrors to see how they look. They look into psalms to find out who they are. A mirror is an excellent way to learn about our appearance. The psalms are a biblical way to discover ourselves. A mirror shows us the shape of our nose or the curve of our chin, things we otherwise know only through the reports of others. The Psalms show us the shape of our souls and the curve of our sin, realities deep within us, hidden and obscured, for which we need focus and names. The Psalms are powerful, insightful morsels of God's Word that can be ingested individually as little appetizers, little hors d'oeuvres, or they can be taken as a whole as a meal. And at the foundation of the Psalms is the very first one, Psalm chapter 1. That's the one we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Psalm chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one of these on the floor around you, and it's page uh, 374, I think, in these Bibles right here. We're going to read this psalm as a whole, and then we're going to break it down and see what the author is trying to tell us through it. So Psalm chapter 1, I'll read the whole thing. The words will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible here with you. Uh, It says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Man, there's so much there. This psalm is so uh, meaningful and so full. I'm already regretting we only have a few minutes to look into this. So let's go verse by verse and break it down, all right? So we'll start back with verse 1. Verse 1 says, Blessed... And I just want to stop right there on that word, blessed or blessed, because I don't know that we really get the full depth and richness of the word blessed here in the 21st century. It's kind of hard to get our heads around. We have uh, a few ways that we can translate the word blessed. We sometimes think of it as happy being happy, that we're blessed when we're happy. When things are going well, I'm blessed, right? When my house is clean and my kids are well-behaved and I was able to resist that second chocolate chip cookie and the scale's down 1.4 pounds this week, I'm blessed, right? So I'm happy. I'm happy about that. I'm blessed. That's, that's one kind of translation. Another one is, is lucky, like we feel lucky. I was driving around the parking lot in the rain and I got the spot closest to the mall, hashtag blessed. Right? I'm lucky. I feel good about what's happening in my life. Now, my family is from the South, and they use the word blessed in a whole different way. Uh, they, they use it in a way that sounds positive, but it's actually not. You know, you know what I mean? Like uh, they, they have this phrase, they say, bless your heart. And bless your heart sounds like it's an encouraging phrase, but they're actually taking pity on you. And so in the South, you can throw just about any insult at anyone as long as you say bless your heart afterwards, and it's fine, right? It takes the sting away. And so uh, they'll say something like, he, he locked his keys in the, in the car for the third time this week. Bless his heart. Right? Or, uh, you know, it's really the kindest, most polite way to say, you're an idiot. And so they use the word blessed uh, for that. But none of those 
uh, meanings, translations, really captures the biblical meaning of the word blessed. Happy is probably the closest, but happy is such a shallow word, and it's so dependent on our circumstances. It's blessed is more like fully satisfied or complete. And so while you might feel happy after you eat an entire pizza by yourself, you would feel blessed after you've had a home-cooked four-course meal uh, with your best friends and chased it with some good dessert and maybe a glass of wine if you're into that kind of thing, right? And so that's blessed, not just happy, but it's like this deep, rich sense of fulfillment and completeness. So he says, blessed is the one, verse one, who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now look at this. He says, who does not walk or who does not stand or who does not sit, it doesn't matter if you're walking or standing or sitting, you can still be blessed. He said, in other words, it's not in the activity that you're doing. It's not in the action that you're taking. Walking, standing, sitting doesn't matter. Activity doesn't matter whether you're blessed or not. It's not an action that you can do. You can't act out enough to be blessed. Instead, he says, verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. You're blessed when you take delight in the law of the Lord, he says, when you meditate on it day or night. It's not his, your action that determines whether you're blessed or not. It's where you find your delight. And the blessed man or woman finds his or her delight in the law of the Lord, in the word of God. Now, why is that important? Why is it important to be blessed? Because verse 3, he goes on. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, Whatever they do prospers. Now, if you're going to be a tree, uh, that's the kind of tree you want to be, right? I've got a tree that I planted in my backyard just a couple of weeks ago. I transplanted it from a field near us, and I, I dug it up, and I took it, and I put it in our yard, and it is dying. The leaves are withering. You can tell there's not enough water getting to it. Why? Because I cut it off from its source of life and it's not able to sustain itself. It's not planted by streams of water. It's planted in a flower bed, and uh, it's not full of life. It's not going to produce fruit, um, but it sounds good, doesn't it, to be a tree planted by streams of water, producing one good fruit after another with leaves that don't wither. Because in a lot of ways, in a lot of times, a lot of seasons of our lives, we have leaves that wither, don't we? We have anxiety that we deal with. We, we get nervous about things. We get scared about things. We worry and we fret when we get in a little drought in our lives. I mean, think about it. What's the last thing that you worried about? What's the last thing that got you scared? Maybe it was money problems. Maybe it was a, an issue with a relationship. Maybe it was a health scare. You've got a test coming up or an operation coming up. Maybe it's parenting questions like Jerry was asking, am I winning or am I losing? Maybe it was politics or the world economy. Maybe it's your job or your school or something you saw or read online. You know who has answers for all of these questions? <laughs> the Word of God. If we're rooted in here, then we don't get as anxious about those things. The Bible says that when our roots are down deep into the Word of God, we have this continuous source of water, of nutrients, of life that feeds our soul, and it keeps us healthy mentally and emotionally and spiritually healthy. It keeps us prosperous. It keeps us grounded. But we have to be rooted in the Word of God. So uh, how many of you have a smartphone? Raise your hand if you have a smartphone. Okay, good. I want you to get it out right now, okay? Now, I just made some of you nervous because you already had it out. 
And now you've got to pretend to get it out, right? And so you've got to go, oh, yeah, my phone. Oh, here it is. Uh, here's my phone. But get out your phone. I'm going to give you permission to turn it on. And we're going to do a little exercise here I want to show you. This is a tool that I've been using to help, uh, to, to help grow and being rooted in the Word of God. It's called Screen Time. All right, if you have an, an iPhone, it's on there. If you don't have an iPhone, if you have an Android, how many of you have an Android? Raise your hand. Okay, for the eight of you that have that, um, you'll need to download an app called Digital Wellbeing. Uh, it does the same thing. But if you have your, your iPhone, here's what I want to do. We're going to go to your home screen. And the easiest way for most phones to get to it is just to swipe to the right, and you'll get a screen that has a whole bunch of different little, uh, they call them widgets on there. And there's one uh, on mine, it's about two-thirds of the way down, and it's called Screen Time. It's right there. And if you click that, it'll give you a screen that looks kind of like this. All right? Uh, you can also get to it through Settings. If you can't get to it that way, Settings in your general settings, there's one that's called Screen Time. Screen Time. And then, on, again, on the Android, there's one called Digital Wellbeing. How many of you are here or someplace like this? Raise your hand if you've got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so here's what we want to do. Go to the, uh, there's one at the top that says last seven days, so you can track today or you can track last seven days. So this is just completely transparent. I took this on Thursday. This is a screenshot from my iPhone um, for the last seven days, and I have averaged on my phone, looking at the screen, so this is with the screen turned on, one hour and 40 minutes. Listening to podcasts doesn't count, right? If you get a notification, it doesn't count. It's only when you turn your screen on, an hour and 40 minutes per day. Now, I want to tell you that my goal uh, has been over the past six months to get down to an hour 36 per day. Now, why an hour 36? That seems really random, doesn't it? Well, because we have 24 hours in a day, and on average, I'm in bed for eight of those hours. So we have 16 waking hours, and I thought there is no reason ever for me to be looking at my phone for more than 10% of my waking day, which is 1.6 hours or an hour and 36 minutes. I'm almost there. I started at two and a half hours uh, six months ago. So um, how many of you are just curious, no judgment, this is a no judgment zone. How many of you are more than an hour and 40 minutes? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are more than two hours? How many of you are more than three hours? I'm not looking at my daughter right now. How many, <laughs> anybody more than four hours? Okay, now if you scroll down, what you'll also see is how many times a day you pick up your phone. You'll see a screen that looks like this. This is on average over the past seven days. How many times have you picked up your phone and turned the screen on? And you go, yeah, but Steve, I use the Bible app all the time. Well, yeah, I don't think so. Look and see, it'll tell you what apps you go to first when you turn it on, right? So I'm at 67 per day. I'm just looking at mine today. I'm at 68 per day. Anybody more than 68 per day? Pickups, raise your hand. Anybody more than 80? Anybody more than 100? It's just the high school kids now. So, guys, we're rooted in our phones. We're not rooted in the word of God. We're rooted in the world. And that's not a judgment. That's just reality. I, I was amazed just looking at this. And again, I've been working real hard over the last six months, knowing that I was going to preach this this morning. I was working real hard over the week before this to try to get this down because I knew I was going to show it to you. We're rooted in the world, and that's a problem. Not just that we're on our phones too much or that we're in the media in general too much, uh, but, but the internet in general, social media in particular, is a time sucker. Like, I've never heard anybody, maybe you have, I've never heard anybody say, when I ask them, hey, what are you going to do today? I've never heard anybody say, well, I need to go to the grocery store, I'm probably going to stop by Target, and then I'm going to uh, scroll through Facebook for two and a half hours. <laughs> Nobody ever says that, right? But that's what we do. In a lot of cases, isn't it? Why? Because the time gets away from us. And just remember that every app on your phone is specifically designed by very smart engineers to grab your attention and hold it 
so that they can sell it to advertisers, right? And that's what they're designed for. They're just doing their job. That's what they're there for. But it's a problem because there are some universal truths about time. And, and these are true for all of us, no matter what your race, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, no matter what your religion is or your socioeconomic background. And I've shared these with you before, but they're really good to come back to every now and then and just remember how we spend our time is important. There are three universal truths about our time. Number one is this. This is true for everyone. Our time is limited. Right? We all get 24 hours in a day. We all get seven hours in a week or seven days in a week. And, and even our life is limited, right? Psalm 139 says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before even the first one began. Our time is limited. There's nothing we can do about that. The second truth is we will spend all of our time doing something. Sleeping, working, driving, sitting in church, watching TV, mowing, cleaning, cooking, eating. At the end of our days, all of our time will have been spent doing something. And the third truth, and this is maybe the, the most painful one, is that someone will decide how we spend our time. Someone will. And the, the part that so many of us miss this is that if we're not incessantly intentional about how we spend our time, what we're doing is we're giving it over to someone else and say, here, you decide how I'm gonna spend this. Author Annie Dillard wrote, it, wrote this once. She said, how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives. And so for many of us, that's a problem because we're not intentional about the time we're spending and specifically about the time we're spending in Scripture. And that's a real problem because the Bible makes a distinction. Here in Psalm 1, it, uh, the, the psalmist makes a real distinction. There's, there's, I'm going to warn you, this may hurt because it kind of hurt me when I read it this week. The psalmist says there are really two kinds of people. At least according to Psalm 1, there's the righteous people rooted in the Word of God. And then verse 4 says this, Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Of the righteous. So in this psalm, the fruitful life, uh, the life like a tree planted by streams of water, the life of the righteous is contrasted with the wasted life of the wicked. He says the righteous are going to bear much fruit. They'll be full of life, but the wicked life will wither and waste away. And the wicked will not stand in the judgment. And in this verse, he's ultimately talking about the judgment seat of Christ. It's what we talked about during our last series called The End. You know, remember Paul Mumaw was here and he talked about the judgment seat of Christ and that there are some people that won't be able to stand in that judgment. They'll, they'll be cast away like chaff. And so the psalmist is saying that our primary motivation for studying the word of God shouldn't be any temporary earthly gain that we get from it, although there is temporary earthly gain that we get from reading the word of God. There's great wisdom in the word of God. There's great instruction for life. There's great encouragement here. There's a lot of things that the Lord wants to say to you through here, but he says the ultimate reason, the, the primary reason, the main motivation for reading the word of God should be that we're gonna spend eternity in heaven with him, that we can have a conversation with him now because those of us who are the righteous aren't righteous because of our actions. We aren't righteous because of anything that we've done or anything that we didn't do. We're righteous because we're clothed in Christ, right? And those who are clothed in Christ on that day will be able to stand in the judgment and those who aren't will be cast away like chaff. And so our psalmist is saying that the primary motivation needs to be eternal because for some day, those of us who are in Christ will see Jesus face to face and we'll get to spend every moment for the rest of our lives, the rest of our eternities with him. But why would you want to do that if you won't spend a half an hour a day with him now? When I read this psalm, I think most of us want to be like that tree planted by the river. 
yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither, and whatever we do prospers. We'd rather be that than be a dead thing, right? But to do that, we have to be rooted in the Word of God. We've got to meditate on it day and night. And that, that word meditate is more than just reading. It's, it's, it's chewing it up over and over again. It's turning it over. It means murmuring. It's like uh, reciting Scripture in our head. Most of us have a show that we watch, right? You have a show? Like, you know what I mean? That when you get done watching whatever you've been watching, you go back to that show. Or if you turn on the TV and just flip through the channels, if that show's on, you're going to watch it. Maybe it's The Office or Friends or it's whatever it's the, is at the top of your next Netflix queue or your Hulu list or, you know what I'm talking about? The show, Big Bang Theory, Grey's Anatomy, whatever it is for you, Gilmore Girls, uh, whatever you got. You got a show, right? You got a show. If it's on TV, you watch it. If you're bored, you watch it. If an episode comes on, you can name it within five seconds, right? You know what happens. You know every little line by heart. You watch it again and again. Here's my question. What if we were so committed to the word of God that we knew every line by heart, that, that we knew what was, what was gonna be said before we read it? Like how much better would our lives be? How much better would my life be? I mean, what if I knew Psalms better than I knew Diversity Day? Like how much more rooted in the word of God would I be? I would be more grounded. I'd be like a tree planted by streams of water. But when we if we want to do that, we've got to be rooted in the Word of God. We've got to be meditating on it. We've got to be chewing it up over and over, memorizing scriptures and praying scriptures. How do we do that? Well, there's, there's three, three kind of rules that I've put together for being uh, rooted in the Word of God. Three habits. Let's call them habits. I've put them in your notes if you want to follow along. Number one is this. We're going to start and end the day with prayer. Start and end with prayer. When you first wake up, even before you get out of bed in the morning, pray. Pray over your day. Pray over your schedule, pray for your family, pray for your coworkers or your fellow students, pray for the people you're going to come in contact with that day. Right? Ask the Lord to show you your priorities for the day because there's a whole bunch of people that want to give you your priorities for the day. If you're anything like me, you've got people in your life that want to tell you what your priorities should be. And then the same thing at night. When, when you lay your head down on that pillow at night, you lay down in bed, you turn the TV off, you put your phone on the charger away from your bed and you pray. And you pray about anything that you're wrestling with from the day. Pray about any conflict or disagreement that may have come up during the day. Ask the Lord how you can resolve that. Pray about the scripture that you read that day and ask him to root it in your heart. We're gonna talk about that scripture here in a minute. Right? Start and end the day with prayer. The second habit is this. This is one I've been working on for a while now. Right? And it's put scripture before your phone. Now, I want you to just imagine you wake up in bed and... Uh, you just open your eyes and you roll over and your bed is surrounded by people shouting at you. And on one side of your bed is your boss. And he's talking about that deadline you've got for that project you're working on. And there's your coworkers there and they're asking you when you're going to have that thing done that they're waiting on so that they can get their job done. And then there at the foot of your bed is your mom. And she's asking why you never call anymore. Right? And then over there is your family. And then over there are people who want to sell you some things. And then over here is the president. And he's talking about fake news. And they're all yelling at you and they're screaming at you. That's ridiculous, right? You would just wake up and you go, wait a minute, I just need a few minutes to myself. But that's exactly what happens when we pick up our phone first thing in the morning. We turn it to Twitter, we turn it to Facebook, we look at our email, we look at our messages, and we have everybody else already screaming with you. And what happens is before we get out of bed, somebody else has set the priority for our day. Somebody else has set our mood before we ever get a chance to look into what God might have to say about the day. And so this is what I've been working on for the last six months is literally making a commitment to put scripture before my phone. You wake up in the morning and you commit that you will spend time in scripture before you dive into all the genius the internet has to offer. 
right? Like, uh, it's taken a long time for me to adopt, but it helps me set the priorities. I won't turn on my phone or open my computer except to look at the weather so I can get dressed appropriately um, before I've spent time in God's Word. Now, it started for me a couple of years ago because I love to read and I was spending time reading at night or I'd uh, have a TV show that I was watching and I realized that I was doing that and putting that before scripture. And so I started putting scripture before I'd even read anything for fun. Um, but I just decided that's going to be the same with my phone too. I'm reading a book that's helped me with that. I can tell you about that later, but I won't uh, spend time. I won't check my email. Uh, I won't check social media until I've spent time meditating on Scripture. And that just leads to the third habit. It's this, wash your mind out with soap. That's pretty cute, right? That's pretty clever. Uh, Soap, I'm not talking about zest or life boy. I'm talking about soap, meditating on God's Word. And this is uh, uh, an acronym we've used for a while around here. SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. It's a really simple way of meditating on Scripture. You take one piece of Scripture. It might be a chapter. It might be a paragraph. It might be a sentence. It might be a verse. And uh, you think, okay, what is the scripture? You write that down. What is the observation I have from it? Write down anything you observe in that scripture. What is my application? How does it apply to me in the life I have now? And then you pray over that piece of scripture and you write that down. All you need is a Bible and a pen and a, and a, a piece of paper. And uh, it's really easy to get started. And we, we, we did a series about this a couple of years ago, but I've left some of these cards out on the info hub. It just says soap at the top, meditating on God's word, and on the back is a 40-day challenge. There's 40 pieces of scripture that are really formational scriptures that you could practice on. And so wash your mind out with soap. Uh, Start practicing these three simple habits, and it helps you get rooted in the word of God. Look, I'm not here to tell you that social media is bad or that TV is bad or that you shouldn't have a smartphone or that you shouldn't watch entertainment. I'm try- not trying to send the message that you need to disconnect completely from your email or from the news or, or what's happening in the world. I-, I know many of us, we use our phones for productivity. We use them for work. That's what they're so good for. We use them to communicate with family, right? We use them to keep track of what's going on. We use them to provide for our family. I, I just want to draw a contrast to where we spend our time and where we place our priorities. How much time a day do we spend on social media? Do we spend on the internet versus the time that we spend relating to God? That's what I'm getting at. And I think this is so important because look, social media has something it wants to tell you, right? Uh, Instagram will remind you that you're not pretty enough. Snapchat will tell you that you're not popular enough or you're not cool enough. Pinterest reminds you that you're not talented enough. I think Facebook and Twitter are just there to tell you that the world is burning to the ground. But God's word has some things to say about you too. I mean, the Lord of the universe, the God who created the planets and the stars and the mountains and the oceans is the same God that created you. And there's, he has words for you. And there is, it's important because there's power in the word of God, right? There is power because God spoke the world into existence. He spoke and things came to life. And if you listen to his voice, your world can come to life too. And God has some things he wants to tell you. He wants to tell you that you were not an accident, that you were made for a purpose, that he knit you together in in your mother's womb, that before he created you, he knew you, and that he knew the number of your days before you were even born, and that he has counted every hair on your head, and that he wants to light your path, and that his word will guide your steps, and he'll show you the way to go, and he'll lead you in the paths of righteousness, and he knows the end from the beginning, and he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you, and he's seeking you out, and he's waiting for you to return to him, and he loves you, and he delights in you, and he thinks about you often, and he, uh, you're special to him. 
and that he likes you and that he's chosen you and that he sent his only son for you and that he forgives you and that you are his child. That's what God has to say about you. And and when you hear that, when you hear the Lord of the universe speaking that to your soul, don't you just feel like a tree planted by streams of water whose leaf doesn't wither and who bears its fruit in season? But we got to answer the question, where are we going to be rooted? We're going to be rooted in the word or in the world? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, just hearing those things and imagining you saying those about me just gives me a sense of pride welling up in me that, that you would think of me that, who am I? God, who am I, a man, that you would pay any attention to me? But yet this room is filled with hundreds of people that you care about and love deeply. And each and every one of us has a story, a story that you are busy writing. And God, I believe that you have something to say to each and every one of us today. Help us to pay attention to that. Help us to listen to who you say we are instead of who the world says we are. Help us to be rooted in the word of God. Lord, whatever is distracting us. I know for all of us, it's not a phone. It's not the internet. It's not social media. There's all kinds of things that distract us from our purpose that you have for us here on earth. But Lord, I pray you would help us to move those things out of the way today and even this week and to become rooted in your word. Lord, we want to know more about what you have to say and less about what the world has to say. We pray these things in Jesus' name.